This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 202 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Squarespace.com and Audible.com. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with our producer, Glenn. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I have exciting news for you before you get into all the dressage talk for the day. Okay. Uh, yes, and, and I am very excited to say that the Dressage Radio Show had a record number of listeners in March. And that you guys also broke the quarter record with the first quarter of 2013. We had more listeners than we've uh, ever had on the Dressage Show. And we're Fantastic. up We're up almost 30% from last year in the first Yay. quarter. So congratulations. High five, Philip. Yes. <laughs> High five Thank over the radio. all our listeners. That's, that it must be the Carl Haster tips. That's it. The I Carl Huster so. tips. That was it. We'll have to <laughs> call him right. for like 300 more. Yes, I know. Yeah, we've got to start looking and or call Carl and get some more more tips. But that is so that is that is fun. That is really exciting for us. And we have some other things we're working on here to uh, increase the excitement even on the dressage show. And of course, the paras are helping out. So it's all good. Yay. Well, I thank you to our listeners. Oh. So yeah, what's on today's show? Thank you to the that, listeners that, for, from the whole network, because we do have other shows, and I'm happy to say that five out of our eight shows broke records in March. So oh, that's all very good. Well. Yay! Well, you have so that, many great hosts. That's it, right? That's it. That's, that's it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a great show today, for sure. And uh, we want to keep up the keep up the steam. And uh, we have a special treat. Um, we have the whole Matuta family. They are riding in the Nations Cup uh, this week in Wellington. And the whole family is going to come on and tell us about their horses and their excitement uh, about country, riding. Uh, Reese. Spain, Spain, Spain. Okay. They're riding for Spain, so they have a they have a fourth member uh, who they'll talk about that they've adopted for the weekend. He is an <laughs> adopted Matuta, um, but it's it, that's never happened in the in the history of the Nations Cup. And uh, Juan will the father uh, will talk a little bit about what the Nations Cup is, and then we go into their horses. So it's a special treat for all of our listeners. Really fun, such a great family and, and great riders, and uh, I can't wait to uh, I can't wait to talk to them. So, Philip, we are doing the trainer tip this week. I'm really, really happy. First of all, we love shout outs. And, uh, Philip, tell us the shout out and or question that we got from Annie this week. Well, Annie McKendie writes to us, Hi, Reese and Philip. You discussed the benefits of hill work, one of Carl Hester's tips, in the last show. I was hoping you could elaborate on this subject. How long and steep a hill is ideal? How long should you spend doing hills in any given session, assuming the horse is in regular training? How quickly should you build up? In what gate gates is hill work best done? For those of us who are still dealing with snow, are there alternatives to hill work that might achieve the same objective? Love the show. Thank you, Annie. So, great question. Uh, great for the trainer tip this week. Hopefully, we can uh, talk about it and, uh, and, I- and help people with that idea. 
I won't tell Annie that I took my first dip in my pool today. She probably wouldn't like that. Oh, oh my God. I don't appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. I'll be on Annie's side here and say that for some reason we had snow yeah. and you are swimming. <laughs> the water cool. was cold if it's any consolation. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Glenn, I think if you're anywhere close to Philip. I know. Do you, want to, do you want me to quit the show right now? <laughs> That, Everybody that's really not be nice. Still really cranky, as I would be about the weather. Well, I caught a cold, and then this morning I woke up. I got this sore throat. I look outside. There's ice pellets streaming down from the sky, and Glenn wants to talk about taking a swim in his pool. Should I talk? About, I did not mention how actually this is my favorite time in Kentucky because literally yesterday it was 80 degrees, and the, I could see the grass becoming green like before my eyes. It was so beautiful, and the babies are. <laughs> running around and the Keeneland race course is open so I am also before Philip hangs up on us uh, we did get another yeah. I wanted to mention this uh, Rhonda also wrote to us on her Facebook page at, and she's out of Canada she's one of yep. your compatriots up there she said just heard you, you need a shout out guys great show this week I love the Carl Hester list just wish I could remember all 33 items while I'm on my horse I got to tell you something, a week from today, we're recording this on Thursday, a week from today, I will be with Rhonda at Disney World. Oh, yep. fantastic. She's, she's, one, of our, she's one of our legacy yeah. listeners, and uh, she's listened to every show that we do, every episode of every show since day one. Um, wow. And there's a few people like that out there. Rhonda's one of them. And she said that her and her husband are coming down to Disney World, and would we come and meet him for dinner at Epcot? So we're doing that next Thursday night. Fantastic. Where was our invite, I thought, then? yeah, I thought it was just all the legacy listeners get a trip to, <laughs> to a trip to Disney World. No, right? actually, she invited us, so there you go. Yeah, so it's a little bit the other way. Around. Okay, well, Rhonda's wonderful. All right, so good boys, I'm going to bring you back to Annie's question because I love hill work. Now, the question always is when I do clinics and things at different places, talking about well, what if we don't have hills? That becomes a different conversation. Uh, you know, then there are things that you can do. Cavalettis, um, you know, you can even go the route of a treadmill. Uh, some people have done that, especially in yeah, Florida. Exercisers and, yep. and stuff like that are becoming more and more popular and more available yep. to people. Right. How expensive but, are they? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. You know, as, as my husband said, one was delivered at our neighbor's um, a couple weeks ago. And my husband said, why do they have a treadmill? Shouldn't they just ride the horses? <laughs> <laughs> that's a so great horse husband question. I, I, that's yeah. a good question. Um, but their p- particular property does not have hills. And so when we built our property here in Kentucky, that was actually a requirement for one of my – thank goodness our real estate agent was a horse guy. So he understood what I was trying to do and why I needed a hill. I think – you know, so we kind of I, – I walked the hill several times to make sure it was the kind of hill that I wanted Um you know, to use for the horses, but the hill that I have and that I think is the best and Philip definitely chime in, but I think the, um, a gradual hill is really important. A slower grade is better. I, you know, I've, I've boarded horses around and I, you know, I also travel around a lot and, um, you know, for the younger horses, you don't, you don't want or need a steep incline. That's, that's not important, right? It's not about, you know, doing, a lot over a short period of time. It's it's more about, you know, riding them up and down and up and down a few times so they get used to it. You know, it's like anything. If you start just, you know, you throw a really steep hill at a horse, they're they're not going to be able to do it, you know, and then it, then they're not going to enjoy it, I think. So 
Um, right. Ideally, and we use it. Yeah, we use it as fun. Uh, for example, we have a horse show, our first recognized show uh, this weekend. Um, and the horses were great Monday, Tuesday. And like I was sharing that Philip doesn't want to hear, it was a beautiful day here yesterday. So I took the, everybody outside and um, – you know, the horses that were in Kentucky for the winter, obviously they were in the indoor most of the time. So they have not been on the hill very much. So I walked up maybe two or three times and they really tell you, it's sort of like when you walk up a hill and you're like, Oh my God, I'm really tired. Yeah. They tell you. Yeah. That's exactly a very yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. They tell you, so you kind of have to listen to your horse and you might say, well, last year you walked this hill 10 times. You know, this time of year, the horses that are have been on a flat arena surface, they may need to go one or two times, and that's all they can do. Uh, so you'll feel them. They start to sort of lag, and when they start to lag, you know, that's when the time to put the leg on and, and, and to go. Uh, and I wouldn't do – after they kind of tell you no more than one time extra to sort of build them up. Um, but you know, the, the horses that were in Florida with me and did a lot of work and a lot of hacking, they probably did my hill – Oh, I don't know, three or four times. Um, yeah. I, I'm i a dressage rider through and through. I don't like to trot down a hill. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no, or canter. Or, <laughs> or canter, canter down a hill. Really still- that's a little scary. <laughs> yeah, it's more about going yeah. up than really going up, down. It's up, uh, guys, not down. You can yeah. walk down. I walk down. They're on the bit as you walk down. Like, you know, when we hack, our horses are on the bit. Well, when yeah. we ride in general, we try to have them on the bit. Um, but we, uh, definitely, uh, walk, I walk down, you can trot down if you're brave, but I'm not brave. So I walked everybody down and trot everybody up, but you keep your eyes open on the way down, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, two years ago I was, uh, when I had the stallion, I was preparing him for, you know, the St. George. Um, and I had him at a farm that had quite a steep, uh, incline and, um, you know, he was fit, he was ready. So I would ride him, you know, maybe once or twice a week up, up that hill. Well, now I don't know degrees, and, and, but I mean, I would say it was fairly steep and it really helped his canter. But yeah, I mean, he was a little bit prepared for the hill and maybe we went up, you know, on those, on those days, maybe four times. And he, and then by those four times he said, I'm tired and I'm done sort of thing. Like it was hard to get him to canter anymore up the hill. So again, I think most horses will tell you, you know, enough is enough, you know, or, you know, it's, and it's really hard, good exercise for their, for the rear end and for, you know, for his back. And it really helped him to gain a little bit more cadence in his canter and, and, uh, it really helped, but we didn't overdo it. That was for sure. I think on the hills, you, there is a possibility of, of overdoing it. You know, if you go out there every day and you just go, go like crazy, I don't think that's helpful. So, um, no, you know, take your time, build the horse up and, uh, and make sure it's fun. Yeah, and I think all all of it is. Yeah, I think it's kind of common sense too. I mean, I think this is the time that you think, okay, if it were me walking up the hill (laughs) uh, after being on the couch or or hanging out and doing light exercise, um, which you know I try never to work out. Um, (laughs) Just kidding, but. you know, think about it. You know, I can't walk up the hill more than probably two or three times right now. You know, hopefully if I do the hill for a couple of weeks, two or three times, then I can do it a fourth time or a fifth time. Um, but I love, I trot and canter up the hills. Um, yesterday, interestingly enough, I've been working on Denali trying to, trying to collect his canter. He's got a huge canter. Um, and it's funny because they want to run up the hill. He just wants to run as fast yeah, as he can. Fast. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a great way for me to sort of use that half alt that I've been trying in the ring to get, but here I really meant it. I was like, no, 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 no. You're not running up the hill. 
Um, you're going to stay collected and you're going to stay same thing. Work on cadence in the can. We're just really working on control at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's great for young horses and, and I'm a big, I, I, when it's nice out, I don't like to be in the ring. I'm not going to lie. I like to be outside and I think they feel well, the same. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you don't, you haven't had an indoor for that long. So, I mean, you're yeah. kind of used to riding outdoors, right? So yeah. Yeah. No, and then coming I, from Florida and all that nice weather out there too. Yeah. You see, we're stuck and we're stuck in the, we're stuck in the indoor all, all winter. And, and, and when that's a situation, I don't think there's much you can do to substitute for a hill, you know, or if you don't have one, uh, you know, maybe you can, you can, um, trailer your horse well, to, to well, a friend's I, farm or something. I do have a question. Yeah. Riding yeah. through the snow period is, is extra, you know, it's harder for us to walk through the snow. It's harder for the horses to walk through the snow. Yeah. Is that like additional exercise like a hill would be oh, anyway? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, depending on the snow and how much ice and, you know, the specific. Yeah, I'm assuming you have nice snow to walk through. Yeah. It's not sometimes. covered in ice and cutting. No, horses yeah. yeah. But if you have some good snow, that's a great way to, um, to, to work the horse, you know, if you have a, maybe a foot or, or a foot and a half to, uh, to go outside for a bit of a walk. You know, I, I, you know, the horses, you know, they have to move their joints a little bit more, going a little bit more up and down. Um, again, it's not something I would do every day, but it's, it's nice for a change. It's nice for me for a change, nice for the horse for a change. If a nice, really nice sunny winter day, then, um, yeah, you can get out there and, and use the snow as a, as an exerciser a bit. So, you know, don't do too much and, and make sure of your footing, but, uh, that's another way to to change the 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 work mode a little bit. One of my favorite. Philip, I was. Oh, go ahead. Glenn, say, sorry. Before we get off snow, one of my favorite memories was uh, when I had my ponies that I drove and lived in Pennsylvania. When we'd have about six inches of snow right after it happened, before it got all dirty. Um, yeah. As you went out with the carriage and the ponies, and it was good workout for them, but it was absolutely beautiful for us. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, those are the perfect days when it's yeah. still powder powder snow yeah. and. And I mean, if you can get a nice light day like that, it's just perfect riding. It's perfect. And, and Philip, do you put special shoes on them? I mean, obviously, yeah, <laughs> we talked about this before, didn't we? This is from a previous show, but I mean, I we'll come back know. a little bit. Yeah, when we talked to Ron from Ottawa, we talked about winter oh, riding right. and all that. But on the shoes, we get corks put in for uh, slippery conditions. So almost all winter, the horses Any that are turned outside. Well, that helps keep the ice balls out too, doesn't it? Uh, we have special snow pads. The horses okay. wear special snow pads oh. that keep the snow out of the out of the center of the shoe. And yeah, so winter specialized riding. Talk to your farrier about getting the right shoes on. Yeah, that's something I hadn't, that we just take for granted, I guess. Yeah. But, see, uh, um, if I ever saw that yeah, much snow, there's up. no way. I mean, <laughs> she's not even going outside. Me too. Not Oh, least one day. One day we'll get you up here, maybe around Christmas, and when okay, the when snow is fun. perfect, <laughs> we'll go day. for a ride. That would be I fun. mean, you know, the horses that don't like to pee off, man, you get the little snow and they're pee off in the way after. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No I spurs, no whip a... needed. Yeah, they get the legs <laughs> up and down. That's for sure. I don't know, kids. I am a southern lady as as yeah. it comes. I don't know. That sounds very cold. Uh, yeah, if I saw that much snow, I'm going to find some inside work to do. And I know my whole staff will be like, she's not working. She's just not coming outside. Oh, we'll, we'll get it done, listeners. We'll get Reese up here and uh, we'll go for it. <laughs> we'll take some photos. I don't know. I think I like Philip visiting me in Florida. <laughs> But anyways, no, I think I think all of these things are, are great. And, and, you know, it is interesting when you, when you start talking about this. I think in, in Carl Hester's tips, a lot of them were actually doing things outside of the arena. And yeah. I think that... Yeah, they weren't it, necessarily you know, when, riding tips, you know, dressage 
specific. Just you know, a little bit for every horse can can benefit from hill work. You know, or just kind of walking up a slow incline. I mean, that's good for them. And you can leg yield. You know, I, I mean, for example, my hill, I, I have a hill in a field, but sometimes the horses are out and then I have a sort of a track around my arena and or my, my farm and one of them has a hill. So they have to walk down the hill, do a walk pirouette, come back up the hill with a little leg yield, do another walk pirouette. So you can really add in some things that maybe the horses aren't thinking, oh, that's a walk pirouette at, at R. You know, they just need to turn around. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. you Really exactly. I mean, some of this dressage stuff is actually useful. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's <laughs> not just for show. Have. I mean, it's it's nice to go out and see. You know, if you can leg yield around a little bit the field, yeah. and you know, just you know, yeah, take yeah. it out the ring, do something interesting. I think the, and, yeah, I mean, the the hardest thing is to keep the horse's mind fresh. You know, day yeah, to day. Yeah, it is, and so. and doing and learning, and and the other thing that we didn't talk about with uh, my black mare Winnie, you know, her big thing was learning to use her shoulders. She's got a beautiful, you know, when when I did her pre-purchase, her extended trot in hand is gorgeous, and I'm like, why doesn't she do that? You know, while we're riding, and one of the yeah. things that I did was teach her extended trot up the hill. You know, because it's amazing what they'll do up a hill. So that was, that's another use is if you have something that you're teaching the horse like collection or just how to move, uh, the hill yeah. really helps out a lot, gets them up off their forehand and they have to push from their booty. So, um, great uses for the hill. So I hope yeah. that. So unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately there isn't much substitution for it. There's no, no, other than a treadmill. Well, and speaking of which, I couldn't find a price on a regular treadmill, but I did find the Hydra Horse, uh, the uh, swimming treadmill. Aqua one, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the basic model there starts at seventy seven thousand, and it's another eighteen thousand for installation. So you're looking at around a hundred thousand. Yeah, no big deal. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are 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 they a lot of the Aqua treads are great. um, If you can have one, Um, we actually would use them. We had a horse that had an injury. And you can put them in side reins, and they can aqua tread. So that's a that's a great way. Uh, here in Kentucky, in Lexington, we have places you can go and and make an appointment and and go. Um, I like aqua treading my event horses. Um, you know, I have the privilege of doing some advanced level Olympic level horses. They will go swim. And we have a couple pools here in Lexington. They swim the race horses and the event horses swim. Um, not as much a use for a dressage horse in the in the pool because uh, they swim a little bit inverted, so it doesn't really help. Yeah, it doesn't um, help their back. Yeah, as much mm-mm. as you'd like it to. No. Yeah, just but the way that they, just the way that they swim. Anyway. Yeah, the way they swim is sort of opposite of the way we want them to go, but. Uh, it definitely great uses, it, you know, so there are other, other facilities and, and I, I don't know, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky here in Lexington that we have all of those facilities. Literally there's a facility within, we could hack to it if we wanted to go ride there, um, from here. So, uh, those are other, some other, other uses that you can do depending on where you are and, and if you can have someone with an aqua tread, but those are, those are great. And they, the horses aqua tread and then they stand under heat lamps and get dried off and, and then can go home. So, uh, it's another great thing to do. Yeah. We got to stay creative, right? And, and yeah, exactly. Every, every, in all ways that you can. Well, before we go any further, we need to take a break for this commercial message, and we'll be back. I have a couple more shout-outs we can't forget to do be, uh, right after the commercial before we get to our guests.
Glenn the Geek here. You know, I get asked all the time by horse people, I want to build my own website. What service should I use? Well, there's only one service I recommend without hesitation, and that is Squarespace.com. If you're looking to build a website for your horse farm, training business, boarding stable, or personal rider page, or maybe even a blog, and you want to do it yourself and end up with a professional-looking website, then there's only one place to go, Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easy with one of the simplest do-it-yourself interfaces available. You choose the theme you like, and then you just drag and drop the elements you want into that theme and start adding your pictures and content, and off you go. Plus, they give you 15 days to try it with no strings. They don't even ask for your credit card. If you sell things, they even have an e-commerce solution. Plus, your new website will integrate with Facebook and Twitter like a dream. I've been using this company for years and have recommended it to dozens of horse people. No matter what your skill level, Squarespace is for you. Give it a try for 15 days free by going to horseradionetwork.com and clicking on the Squarespace banner on the right side of the page. Horseradionetwork.com. Click on the Squarespace banner on the right side of the page. Well, Reese, it looks like all of our whining about not having shout-outs finally, uh, finally produced some results. We have Sue Ellen and Doreen um, liked our last week's episode, so uh, you know that really motivates us to keep going, keep going, and keep doing, bringing on good guests and doing good tips, and uh, and we love the feedback. So thank you so much for everybody that uh, that wrote in on our Facebook page. That's a great way to contact us and uh and give us your feedback yes thank you everybody and we love we love questions too we if we can't we don't know the answer or we don't feel like we can we will find somebody that does so keep that keep the questions coming um but today for our guest of the day we have the matuta family this is the first time that in a nation's cup a family has been represented we have juan Paula and Juan Jr., uh, they are the team from Spain, and they are competing this weekend. So I hope you enjoy their interview. Well, it is our pleasure this evening to welcome Juan Matuta and his family to the Dressage Radio Show. Juan, thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thank you to ask to you to invite us. Well, it is it is my pleasure, Juan. You are one of my favorite trainers, and I just always enjoy spending time with you. So it's it's my pleasure this evening. Thank you very much. So, so Juan, we are talking uh, this week about the Nations Cup, and I am so happy to have pretty much the whole team, uh, your team, your your son and your daughter and yourself. Um, so can you tell our listeners a little bit about what's going to happen uh, at the Nations Cup this week? Okay. Uh, first of all, the Nations Cup is one of the biggest events after the Olympics, European or World Championship, the Nation Cup is uh, the ferry, uh, the Equestrian Federation recognized is one of the biggest events. And then, from, like you know, it's filled from uh, different countries, of course, uh, until I think the maximum limit is 12 countries. And then, of course, in this case, there are not so many uh, countries, friends, uh, except the United States has two teams, Canada has two teams. And then another eight teams like Venezuela, Colombia, Canada, USA, Paula, one more, of course, Europeans, Argentina. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Huh? But it's a very serious competition, of course. Yes. Juan, can you tell us a little bit about your own team that you've put together and maybe a little bit about the horses that you've got there to compete on? 
Yes, for the first time that was uh, written uh, you know, after the Olympics. I to explain after the Olympics in Beijing 2008, I decided uh, don't compete anymore because I was very tired and you know it's a lot of stress. And then I put more attention to my to, for trainings and especially for my kids. Mm-hmm. And it was a special situation for the first time. We can really feel the uh, like a full team with my son and with my daughter. And then I decided, okay, I need to come back because it's going to be something uh, for the first time ever. And it's really, it's really, um, I I feel very, very happy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you should be. What a proud papa, for sure. So, Juan, before we change the phone, because we have the whole team with us this evening, can you um, tell us a little bit about your horse that you're riding? Okay, I'm riding a horse. It's a Hanoverian. It's 10 years old. Normally, he's the horse, my son, Juan. He competes in the junior classes. And of course, it's a big, like, you know, it's a big move from junior to small tools. But okay, I hope it's uh, it's 10, it's a little out of uh, this level, but he will be okay. It's a nice horse, it's a big horse, but I hope I can make as well as my son did the full year. He won all the classes in the international junior level. And I hope my son is not very angry with me. (laughs) That's the only problem to be the dad, the trainer, and you know. Could be a little dilemma at night after the show is done. But okay, I will try to to, to survive. <laughs> little pressure for you, Juan. <laughs> yeah, you have to do a good job. Yeah, I must. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Juan, can you pass the phone to Juan Jr. Uh, and yes. we can talk to him a little bit about his horse. Yeah, I have right now with me Paula, and Juan is coming in a few seconds. Hang on. Oh, perfect. Well, Paula will be great first. Okay. Hello, I'm Paula. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. How are you this evening? Thank you, guys. I'm very excited and very happy and uh, just thrilled with this whole idea of the Nations Cup. I know. It's it's so fun. I'm so glad that we have all all the Matuta family. So what is it like to ride with your with your family? Um, it's just, it's, it's honestly just such an honor to be in the team with my dad and my brother, and I feel very proud of them, and I, I there's not enough words to, to really explain it. It's something unique, I think, and that we're never going to forget. It's fun. It sounds like you guys are having a blast down there. Yeah, it's, it's something really special. I feel for the first time like I'm competing with no pressure at all just enjoying every little thing from, you know, being in the civil with my horse to doing the last center line tomorrow. Everything and Paula, tell, is- tell us a little bit about your horse, who you're riding. Yes, this is a horse that my dad bought for a client three years ago, and we were not expecting him to go this far at all. He was a PRE, and we started in the junior class. And then uh, we were doing okay in the juniors. We started stepping up in the young riders. We won a city eye last year. That was already a big accomplishment. And now we'll be in the Nations Cup. And I'm just very proud of him. Wow. So in the Nations Cup team, Paula, describe to us, there's a, there's a junior, a young rider, a small tour, and a, and a big tour horse. Is that how it works? Um. It's just, it's divided into small tour and big tour. In our case, in our team, it'll be Juan and me, which are two junior riders, and then my dad and a uh, fourth team member. We will be Absolutely. the only junior riders in this competition. It's very big for us. 
so oh, we that's admire a- and enjoy to see the other riders, and maybe to hope that one day we'll be up there with them. That's exciting. And did you guys win an award today at the at the jog? Yes, we won an award for best dress. <laughs> we're not expecting this at all. <laughs> Yesterday we were running in the um, in the in the shop, last fifteen minutes running to find something with the red and yellow colors, and it came out really good. <laughs> so, Sometimes so the- it's not disappointed, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's always with shopping. You never know how that will go. That is yeah. super. And and so tell us a little bit about the schedule for the weekend. Um, tomorrow we have to draw. I will go first of the fourth uh, team member. Then my brother will go. Then third rider will be another rider from Spain, which is right now one of her strongest forces. And last will be my dad, of course. <laughs> He's his age and everything he's done for us. I think he deserves that last place with all the people watching him and the expectations. He deserves that. <laughs> it sounds like he's a little bit nervous, though. I think so, too. I don't think he wants to say it too much, but <laughs> he sounds a little nervous. <laughs> little pressure. Well, it's, That's okay. it's okay to have a little bit of an edge going into competition, right? You want to do a good job. Yeah. Everybody wants to do a good it's job. So. Yes. Yes. So... Everything so is do, be very fun. What is it like to represent your country for the first time? It, it's just, it, it, honestly, it's a dream. I think any writer's dream is to be able to represent their country, not only in the CDI, but in the Nations Cup and with your whole family. It, it's just a full, uh, beautiful experience. Everything, every little detail. Excellent. So what happens? Okay, so tomorrow you draw and you're going to ride and that will be Friday. And then what is the schedule for the rest of the weekend? Just so our listeners know. The the best half of the riders tomorrow will go to the freestyle Saturday. And then the next day, everyone goes into the intermediate one for individual qualification. Tomorrow is the team qualification. Got it. Oh, that's so super. Yes, uh, what's going to happen for tomorrow, but we will be competing Sunday. Oh, well, we are wishing you guys all luck. Is Juan Jr. there now that we can talk with him? Yes, yes, he's right here. Perfect, Paula, we wish you luck. Thanks for coming on. Good luck, yeah. Have fun. Hello. Hi, Juan, how are you? Everything's good, and you? We are great. We're so honored to speak to your whole family tonight. This is pretty fun. This is the first time we've ever done this. Had a whole family. Yeah, this is great. So Juan, tell us about your horse that you're riding in the small tour, which is pre-St. George and Intermediate One. Yes, I am riding a client horse. Um, I've been riding him just for a couple of weeks. So um, I've just known him for just like a little bit, but the funny story behind everything is that we actually owned him as a young horse six years ago. He was ours. My dad, my dad had him, and then we sold him to a client. And actually, my my sister named the horse Gasper. So it's quite it's quite something after the movie, you know, Gasper the ghost thing, the ghost little guy. <laughs> and, Another Casper. Uh, Reese had a Casper, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so. Yes, my dad sold them, and and it's funny how, like, you know, they both sold small, you know, and he came back to us after six years, you know, so it's quite, it's quite, it's quite something, you know, it's very, you know, very, like, heartwarming and special, so, yeah, very, very proud. 
Ah, that's super. And what does he like to ride now as an older horse? Excuse me, what again? What does he like to ride now as an older horse versus when you owned him as a young horse? Actually, I never had a chance to ride him. My sister was the one who rode him because he was he was just six, so he was very young. We didn't have quite the experience yet to be riding him, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, that's exciting. That sounds like uh, was fun. It, was, it, was it difficult to give up your own horse and have to ride somebody else's horse? How did that happen, that your, your dad, it seems like he might have stolen the horse that you were riding? Well, um, I really, really, really like my dad riding my horse. I think my dad's a super awesome, great, best rider, and I really love my horse, and I really like, like that my dad is being able to ride my horse and, you know, and really going out there and competing. Um, I, I really don't mind. I really actually appreciate that my dad is, you know, taking my horse after, after five years after competition, you know, my, 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 my horse is the one that's bringing him back into the ring, you know? So it's, it's quite something. I really, really like it. Yep. Was it difficult to convince him to, to do this competition, or was he really raring to was he really looking to, to show at the Nations Cup here, or did you have to beg him to come on your team? Excuse me, sorry. Someone opened the door, and I, I didn't really hear that. What was that again, please? I, I was just wondering if it was difficult to convince your dad to, to, to be on your team and, and to ride with you guys. Well, my dad, after the Olympics of 2008, he said, you know, he, he really wanted to be done. You know, he didn't want to really come back to competition. But with, um, with an opportunity like this, you know, we were already, we had horses. There was, you know, this opportunity of being able to make the whole family on the same team for the first time in history. You know, that actually, I wanted also to say that we are breaking a record of genius or something because it's the first time that a full family makes the national team in our national show. So it's really the first time. So, yeah. So do you guys have any goals for your team? Any any scores or, or what is sort of for each horse, what is the expectation? No, I mean, our expectation of this show is to have fun, to be, you know, a family and then just to, you know, have fun and, to, yeah, just to be together and, and enjoy it. Just to do it. Oh, that's super. So what is it like in your house tonight? Is everyone going to have a nice dinner and go to bed? Or is there a party? Or what is happening for you guys tonight? No, we're going to be eating dinner at home. You know, like just concentration, talking and planning for tomorrow and, and getting ready. You know, because it's, it's a big thing for us. Well, Juan, we are we cannot wait to watch you guys on on the USCF network and to also just root for Team Spain and for the whole Matuta family. Uh, can you tell us a little who's the fourth rider on your team? The fourth rider is Carlos Muñez. He is also a Spanish rider who is riding uh, with Cesar Parra. Um, yeah, he's he's a very very. Nice guy. I really like him. He's very funny, very elegant. I, I like him. He's, he's, he's good. So, yeah, we're proud of having him in our team as well. Oh, that, that's fun. He's an adopted yeah. Matuta this weekend, correct? Yeah. He's an <laughs> adopted mother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, Juan, thank you, your sister and your dad, for coming on the show this weekend, uh, yes. this week. This was lots of fun, and we are looking forward to and crossing our fingers and wishing you luck for the weekend. Thank you. Awesome. That's great. 
Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we're excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Well, what a great family. That was fun. Yeah, they're wonderful. <laughs> nice interview. Yeah, they have such great energy. Yeah, oh, talk about excited. I, it, it won't matter what happens this week. No, you won't. <laughs> They'll take lots of like pictures. Yep. Yeah. And and what a lovely family. I was just on their website. They, you know, obviously have have done. They've been really close for a long time. You know, doing this this project and doing doing horse work. Uh, it's cool. Check out their website too. Hey, coming up, we we're going to share with you something from one of the other shows that we thought was important, and I I think it's even more important now that I mentioned it to you two, and you're like, what? Um, yeah. we, we do a segment on horses in the morning every Wednesday morning with the horse.com. They come on and do a horse health report. And this week we were on with digital edit- editor of the horse.com, Michelle Anderson, and Dr. Oak. And I think Dr. Oak is from Lexington, actually. Yeah. Uh, and she writes for the horse.com a lot and, uh, you know, has been a vet for years. Well, one of the th- top, the topic this week was how ivermectin, the horse wormer, can actually kill certain breeds of dogs. Uh, and quickly, so if they ingest it. So it was something that I was amazed at, and we all learned something with this. And it just, I wanted to put it on here sort of as a public service because we all have dogs. Yeah. Um, and it's certain, it's the, uh, it's the herding dogs that are affected mostly, and they're going to talk about which breeds and what. But you should definitely take a listen. If you have a dog and you give your horses worm medicine, which you should, then let's take a listen to this. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes, but it's worth it. It's time for the weekly health report from Horse.com. Fantastic information and their attempt to ruin Glenn's lunch every week. That's right. It's that time of the week when we do the weekly horse health report with Michelle Anderson, digital editor at thehorse.com. And Michelle, this week we're going to the dogs. We are. Good morning, Glenn. Yeah, this week we're we're taking a little bit of a side road and talking about our canine companions that hang out around the barn. Um, some important stuff that people need to know about these guys. And we have you know, Dr. Steve. Oh. Well, I was just going to say, you know, when you uh, sent this over I, and what we're going to talk about today, I had no idea. Uh, so I am very glad you're covering this because this is something that a lot of people probably aren't aware of. 
This is really, really important stuff. So we have Dr. Stacey Oak with us, and Stacey is a freelance writer for The Horse. She's one of our, our great uh, veterinary experts who puts articles, articles together, fact sheets, uh, and all that. She's an equine expert for sure, but she's also a small animal practitioner. So she's here to talk to us about ivermectin toxicity in certain dog breeds. Um, Dr. Oak, are you with us? I am. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, thanks for Two joining weeks us. in a row. <laughs> I know, I'm honored. You're a glutton She's for a good punishment. Sport. Yeah. And, and by and the way, I'm not an equine expert. <laughs> I just know how to research. <laughs> you are, she is above and beyond this woman. She does most all of our fact sheets for us. She knows more about about different horse topics than anyone I know, so she's being very uh, <laughs> modest. Um, but so this topic with ivermectin toxicity, I have had two friends within the last couple of years and one just really recently who have had dogs who they've been deworming their horses, a glob of ivermectin fell on the ground, um, or maybe the dog got the tube out of the garbage can and the horses or the dogs almost ended up dying. And so hearing both of these stories made me realize how important it is. I have a herding breed myself. So, Dr. Oak, let's just start. Can you tell us a little bit about ivermectin and dogs? Like, why, why, is, this a, uh, why is it such a concern? Um, ivermectin is, maybe we should just start with uh, ivermectin. It's, um, it's a deworming medication, and it's used in many different breeds of animals, not just dogs and horses, and it's actually effective against over 300 different kinds of internal and external parasites. And in horses, it's used for, you know, large and strong, small strongiles and um, um, stomach bots as well and others. And it is also used in dogs, but at much, much lower doses. The, the main problem, I think, Michelle, what you're getting at is in some breeds of dogs, they have a genetic abnormality that makes them incredibly sensitive to ivermectin. So, in fact, it is toxic to them or can be. Okay. So, let's talk a little bit about what ivermectin does to the parasites because I think this is an important part of the story on how it affects the dogs as well. Um, because ivermectin really changed the way we managed our horses' deworming programs. Yeah, it does. It's um, highly, or was in the past, highly effective, as I said, you know, kills a lot of different parasites, and it is a neurotoxin that causes paralysis and death of the parasite. Okay, so by that, so the little uh, parasites are in there, you treat with ivermectin, and it affects the what would be the brain of these guys. Yeah, yeah. Kind and, of. Um, yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> if, they, if a worm had a brain. System, so they do have nervous systems, so it causes them paralysis and death, and um, okay. then they are passed and cleared from, from either the horse or the dog. Okay. And so you know, most horse owners have dogs, too, and a lot of us have herding breeds, which tend to be more susceptible or have this um, genetic predisposition. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about these dogs that that lend themselves to toxicity with ivermectin? 
Yep, there's a certain um, breeds of dogs that have a genetic abnormality, and some of the most common are um, collie breeds, and a lot of the, like you said, herding dogs, old English sheepdogs, uh, sheepdogs, Shetland sheepdogs, the Sheltie, um, and Australian and German shepherds, and a couple of the whippets and the windhounds as well, the the sighthounds. Um, so this genetic mutation basically is found at the blood-brain barrier. So if a dog ingests the ivermectin and it's circulating throughout the body, then when it hits the brain, instead of staying in the bloodstream, basically, it passes into the brain tissue, which is nervous system, so it causes paralysis and sometimes death in dogs that are susceptible. In dogs that don't have the genetic mutation, the ivermectin doesn't pass into their brain and nervous tissue. Okay. So you probably don't want them licking it off the ground, but not it's really, not no. going to... Even dogs that don't have the genetic mutation, you still don't want them licking it off the ground either. I mean, it's a dose. So even though ivermectin can be used safely in dogs, the doses that are used for horses is much higher. So even in, you know, so-called normal dogs, without the mutation, it can still be dangerous. How much do they have to get, Dr. O? That is a good question. Um... Some of the, the dogs with the genetic mutations, it's a very small amount that they, they need to ingest, um, you know, like even 100 micrograms per kilogram, which is not very much. And in dogs that don't have it, their dose is above 2,000 micrograms per kilogram. But as I said, even if they get into enough of it, they also can um, suffer from neurotoxicity. Boy, and this is so, so easy to do because you're squirting it in the mouth and the horse is going... And it's dropping yeah. it all over the floor, and the dog's mm -hmm. right there, and the dog decides that that's a good time to lick it up. It's so mm -hmm. easy to see happen. It's true. And that's, that, yeah, and that's what now. happened to, oh, sorry about that, and um, that's what happened to uh, one of my friend's dogs. Um, just, you know, the horse spit it out, and she didn't even think about it, and, like, told the horse, or told the dog, you know, leave it, and but it had gotten enough at that point. And it was a miniature Australian shepherd. And so you mentioned collies. Um, collie breeds, and so it's also the Australian Shepherds? Yep, the Australian Shepherds, German Shepherds, and Sheepdogs. Okay, and I wonder, well, like... We, we, have, we have a Greyhound, uh, you, you know, you said certain sighthounds, too, I guess, that you wouldn't want to take a chance with a Greyhound, either. I, I wouldn't. You know, if you're deworming yeah. your horse, your, your dog probably shouldn't be in the barn, regardless. And if that much ivermectin is hitting the ground, that also means that um, perhaps the technique used to deworm the horse isn't very effective <laughs> because, you know, it's a measured dose as well. And so the, bowl, the goal is to get the entire dose into the horse. So mm -hmm. it's some is hitting the ground, then the horse isn't being fully dewormed as well, which is a totally different issue, but just as an aside. <laughs> okay, well, now, so Jamie, I, you have, hold on one second here. You have, yeah. well, Jamie, you have all herding dogs, right? I mean, you're basically all of them are. I do, I do. And, and again, I, I think back to what, what the, the nice doctor just said. Basically, you suck at deworming if you can drop that much on the ground. <laughs> okay, those However, are your words, not mine. <laughs> No, but, you're, but it doesn't even matter how good you are. Sometimes you've got, like, we've got a pony that is just so good. You think you've got it in there. You hold his head up, everything like that. And five minutes later, you put his head down, and he goes, 
and yeah. spits it out. So yep. uh, it's really no great way to deworm some of them, but you're right, just clearing your dogs out of the barn. And, again, just like you said, keeping this in a secure trash can. You know, take mm-hmm. a grocery store bag and put all the, the tubes in there and close it up and then put it in another bag and then put it in the trash. You don't want to have this just laying around. Yeah, and that's the other issue that I've heard people have is they throw them in in the garbage and then the dog climbs into the garbage can, thinks it's a great toy, and runs off with it um, and ends up licking off some of that, you know, green, gooey ivermectin that's left on the tube after they've dewormed their horses. Um, I've heard from a vet student that they're taught white feet don't treat with the dogs when it comes to using ivermectin on dogs. Is that something yeah, that you've yeah, heard, that's Dr. Yeah, that's a common, common phrase that we're taught that, um, you know, for regular doses that are included in, you know, like just heartworm prevention, they're fine. They're low dose and even the white feet dogs, but it's the higher doses, like if they've got, as you know, a certain form of mange, for example, then those are the ones that you, you're going to be a little bit more hesitant. And it's actually changed. I was reading in an article last night, right before bed. Thanks, Michelle. And, uh, <laughs> and it said, White free, uh, white feet uh, test to see if you can treat. So there's a test mm-hmm. offered at Washington State University, and dog owners can get like a simple like cheek swab, like a DNA test, and send it off to the lab, and then they will know whether the dog has the genetic mutation or not. Yeah. What, what do you mean? Hold on, I, I'm confused. When you say white feet don't treat, like you're talking, you don't treat them with, because a lot of dog medications have ivermectin in them, and I was a little surprised to see that after hearing about not giving your dog ivermectin. So when you say white feet don't treat, are those the dogs with white feet you don't give any sort of ivermectin? You can, and the, like the monthly heartworm preventatives, they're very low-dose ivermectin, and they are supposed to be safe in all dogs, including the dogs with um, the genetic, genetic mutation. So it's only if um, you're specifically giving a higher dose of ivermectin, like if your dog has mange, for example. And so you need to give a higher dose, but it's those dogs that um, if they have the genetic mutation, you might not be able to treat with ivermectin to treat the mange. Now, white feet being the pad or the outside of the foot? The fur at the, uh, the end of the foot. Yeah, and I, one of my friend's dogs, and she almost lost him to this, and they run a retirement center for horses and had dewormed, you know, 12 horses in one day, and the dog had followed them around and gotten enough um, to, that was toxic. But it's a little dachshund cross, a little mutt, um, but has white feet, and they think he's probably part border collie. And yeah. so... Um, that's, you know, you don't look at him and think herding dog at all. You think wiener dog when you see him. Um, but he, he it, it took a little bit. Their friend was actually is a vet and started going, you know, your dog is having these clinical signs and you just dewormed and let's look into this. So let's talk about this clinical science because it's something that dog owners and horse owners should be able to recognize in their, in their yeah. dog if something goes awry. Right, so ivermectin is um, a neurotoxin. So the, the major signs that you're going to see all have to do with the nervous system. So the dog's going to have an altered mentation. They're going to be like dull and lethargic, and they could be wobbling when they walk instead of walking straight, like they don't know where their legs and arms are, <laughs> arms in, in space are, and um, having difficulty walking and standing. Um, blindness is a common, common sign. Like the dogs just don't seem to be able to see where they're going and bumping into stuff. 
And then if you do suspect that your dog has been exposed, uh, what, what should you do? Um, go to the veterinarian immediately. Um, if you catch it within the first four hours, they can make the dog vomit to get the rest of the ivermectin out of the stomach so it's not absorbed. And then they're going to administrate charcoal, which slows down, you know, basically draws out the ivermectin um, to limit the toxicity. And after that, it's just supportive care. There's no antidote. There's no cure. And it's just keeping them warm and hydrated until, until it passes. And it can take up to several weeks before um, your dog is back to normal. You know, so you talk about four hours. Will the care. symptoms manifest that quickly, doctor? They will manifest quick. Yes, they can manifest okay. quickly, like within four hours for sure. Um, I mean, it's in most cases, unless you can see your dog licking the ivermectin, right. it's not caught that early. But the earlier right. you suspect it and catch it, so again, you know, prevention, don't have your dog out when you're deworming is the, is the best. Yeah, so there's this genetic mutation in dogs that makes them sensitive to ivermectin. Is there anything similar in horses or any horses affected by ivermectin in a negative way? Um, they don't have any genetic mutation that I could find for it, so it's not same. But, you know, as with any pharmaceutical drug, you know, they, any horse can have a reaction to it or if it's administered, you know, if you dose it incorrectly. I mean, even, I mean, errors happen all the time. You know, you just misunderstood, you know, 10 grams instead of 10 kilograms. <laughs> That's a bad example. But, I mean, it can happen very easily. So, I mean, just read the product carefully. If you have any questions, ask your veterinarian before you administer it. And it's just better to be safe than sorry. Okay. So we mentioned the garbage can, uh, your technique in giving ivermectin. <laughs> Any other suggestions on managing yes, around the barn um, when, you're, when you're giving it can also, ivermectin? Ivermectin can also be passed in the feces of the horse. So um, like for a couple of days huh. after you deworm the horse, don't let your dog out to the manure pile or around because, I mean, farm dogs eat horse poop. They mm -hmm. just do. And yeah. they can be exposed to high enough concentrations in the manure that they can also be, um, you know, get ivermectin, ivermectin toxicity that way as well. Okay. And I have a little white-footed corgi, <laughs> which is a herding breed, that loves to go out there and eat that horse poop. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back and licks you on the face. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I so. never knew that it would pass through the poop, though. My gosh. I mean, I, you know, I knew it could kill it could kill dogs and cause a lot of problems with dogs, but I had no idea. Man, that's going to be a management problem for us. With the do Don't eat the poop. They, la yeah. they look at you and they yeah. laugh. They're like, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> they take a fecal ball and run. Yep. Yeah. Especially if it's person. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't I didn't know this, and I'm sure there's lots of other horse owners out there that didn't know this. So I'm really glad that you brought this one up this week. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that it's not our main vein, it's not our our straight horse health, um, you know, topic, but it is horse management, and it's really important. And it was when I had one friend have it happen, it was like that was weird, and then I had a second friend have it happen, and I'm like, that's this is really scary, and horse owners really need to know about this because horse owners have dogs. I don't know a single horse owner that doesn't <laughs> doesn't have a dog um, out there also. So uh, take care, lock your dogs up um, when you're deworming. Be careful. 
Well, I'm really glad we we put that on the show because we all have dogs. We all have dogs that come to the farm. So I hope that that helps everyone and, and that we don't lose any dogs from any worm issues. So um, so thanks well, for that, Glenn. D-worm worm issues. D-worm issues, yes. D-wormer issues. D-wormer Worm issues are completely separate. Yeah, talk to your veterinarian about that. The wormer yeah. won't matter at that point. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But no, thanks. That was that was good, and, and we felt that, that was important to put on the show. So thanks so much for that. And guys, this was a great show, and we enjoyed all our shout-outs, and we look for more next week. But everyone, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. And you can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to have a, a big thanks to our sponsors this week and don't forget to check out all the other wonderful shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we can't wait to talk to you next week. 